Bonus der Zeitität am Bild. Inspired Leadership. Einer Kodesh Baruch Hu Mevita Kala Al Yadan. A very important uh, concept comes up in the Gemara uh, that appears in, in many places in Shas and in Midrashim, as we'll see, uh, that gives us an indication of the special siyata dishmaya, the special divine support that a leader has, particularly if he's doing things l'shem shamayim, if he's a, a tzaddik in that way, and his concern is with the with the klal, he's concerned about the community, then there's a different level of siyata dishmaya. Omer Rabbi Loza ben tzaddok miyamay lo he'adati ela idut echad. All my life I've only given evidence once. And the, as a result of this evidence that I wasn't careful enough about, they actually treated a, a, an Evid, a, a slave, as a Kohen, which means he's eating truma and mice, all sorts of things. There are a lot of Isurim involved in that. Says the Gemara, is that possible that, that because of a mistake that Rabbi Loza bin Sadok did, there was such a halachic uh, result, such a halachic negative outcome? If, if the Rebbeinu Shalom is careful not to cause a, an error through, the, through or for the animals of a tzaddik, the tzaddik himself, Hashem isn't going to let tzaddikim make mistakes, even by, even by mistake, just even unintentionally. And and I bring, I don't know that we'll have time to look at them today, but for the sake of completion at the bottom, I bring from uh, the Ovesta Rabbi Noson and from Breshis Rabbah some of the stories of these animals uh, of Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa and Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer and how careful they were in, in, in so to say, in matters of halacha, how Hashem protected even the animals from doing something which would be wrong for a human. That uh, Obviously, it's not wrong for an animal. An animal is not governed by halacha. But, but even, even to protect even animals of tzaddikim from doing something which the tzaddik himself couldn't do. Uh, so if that's the case, then certainly there, there wouldn't be an error that results from, from Rabbi Loza Tzaddik himself. Answers the Gemara, They almost made an Eved a Kohen. It didn't actually happen, but, but I realized how careful one has to be because it almost happens. The uh, the problem with this is there are many cases in Shas where we have situations of errors that resulted in halachic calamities, and the Gemara doesn't always ask this. In many places, the Gemara does. On the Masoret Shas, you'll see um, the the, the Masoret Shas refers you to many of the Gemara's uh, Shabbos in Gitin, in Chulin, in Psochim. Uh, the the Gemara's like this, but there are many cases where the Gemara doesn't ask this. So there are three answers as to why. Why does the Gemara not ask this in, in, every, in every case? One is Rabbeinu Tam and the Ri, the, the Baalei Atosphus. We have it in, in our Atosphus, and it's more specifically, uh, the idea is developed more specifically in Shabbos and Daf Yud Beis, where Rabbeinu Tam says, Delo parich makom ela gabi achilat isur. It's only this, the question is only asked when by error at tzaddik, could come to eat something forbidden. In that case, the Gemara says, that can't happen. The Rebbeinu won't let such a thing happen. Even if he's not aware that something isn't kosher, it's not going to happen. Because that's a terrible gnai. So it seems that, that, that there's a difference between the isur of eating something asur, eating something treif, and other isurim. Other isurim you can do tshuva for. A person does something by mistake, he brings a korban chatas, and he does tshuva, and, and the 
and, and the chet is erased, so to say. But when you've eaten something that's asur, you've erased the chet, but you've still got the trafe inside you. You've still, you can't undo that. So that's why it's a genayhu. To eat something treif is much more disgusting for the neshama than any other form of isur. Because other isurim you can do tshuva for and eating something treif, although you can do tshuva and you're not held liable for it, but the fact is you've still got some chazer in you. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about that. It's just part of who you are now. And, th- and that has an effect. So the Rebun Shalom is particularly protective of, of tzaddikim that they shouldn't come to eating anything that isn't, isn't kosher. Rabbeinu Tam gives, uh, the Ramban gives another two reasons. He, he brings Rabbeinu Tam uh, and, he, and he questions Rabbeinu Tam and he says that uh, he says there's no the taste or flavor in Rabbeinu Tam's answer. Rabban uses a very, very heavy language, even though he, the, the, the Ramban himself is a Talmud of a Talmud of, of a Talmud of Rabbeinu Tam. So his tradition comes from Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam, who was the founder of, of the Balea Tosfa school, as we've often talked about, Rashi's son-in-law, uh, the, the great Rabbeinu Tam. So he gives that reason. This is a, particularly about eating something which is asu. The Ramban says nonsense, doesn't make any sense. The Ramban gives two reasons. I'll give you his second reason first. His second reason is, it's only when it's totally unintentional. Where there's any level of carelessness, he could have been careful and he wasn't. Or there's a middle problem, he has anger. And the, the Ramban brings cases where a tzaddik gets angry and, and does something wrong. Moshe Rabbeinu himself does something wrong when he's in a, in a moment of anger. This principle doesn't apply in a moment of anger or arrogance. There are various different midot where this principle wouldn't apply. And even a tzaddik can land up doing something wrong. He doesn't have this protection from Hashem. But when he's particularly careful about, about his Yerushalayim and everything he does is carefully worked out, then, then the, the tzaddik has this particular kind of, of protection. So that's the Ramban's one, uh, one answer. And that refers to the, the tzaddik in his role as a tzaddik. Somebody who's so meticulous and so careful, both in terms in his year at Shemayim, in his how God-fearing he is, and how meticulous he is about the preservance of halakha, and his midot, he doesn't get angry and he doesn't get arrogant. Uh, in such a case, Hashem protects him. But the first answer of the Ramban, which comes from the Ramban's Rebbe, who was Rabbi Yehuda ben Yakar. Rabbi Yehuda ben Yakar, so Ramban is... is uh, the beginning of the 13th century, uh, Rabbi Yehuda ben Yakar is his Rebbe. Rabbi Yehuda ben Yakar's Rebbe is the Ritzvo. The Ritzvo is the brother of the Tosfa Shantz. Uh, the Tosfa Shantz, the, 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 the Tosfa Shantz was considered the third great Baal Tosfa, Rabbi Natam, his nephew Ri, and then Tosfa Shantz was the, was, was the, the third. A lot of the Tosfas we have on, on Shas is from Tosfa Shantz. Uh, and so, and that's the Ritzvo is his brother, and they, the two brothers, were Talmidim of Rabbeinu Tam. So that's the school of thought from which the Ramban comes, and he brings the view of his Rebbe, Rabbi Yehuda ben Yakar, and he says, "Behemtem shul tzadikim menachos baruchu mivita kola laachirim al yadam." What the Rebbeinu Shem is careful of is that if a tzaddik is in a position of authority, as a rov or a posek, he's not going to cause takala a. a Mishap to others, but unintentionally. Hashem protects him. He's got a special siyata dishmaya that Hashem protects him. That he'll he'll find the right answers. He'll give the right thing, 
And, and, that, and that's a different level. So we have two dimensions to this principle. The one is that the person is such a tzaddik that the emotion protects him. And the second is he has a position of authority where he is responsible for the well-being of others. And if he makes a mistake, even if it's because he was a bit careless, according to this uh, answer of the of the Rabbi of, of Rabbi Yehuda ben Yakar, this has not got to do with his own status, with his own stature. It's got to do with his position as a rov or a posek. The Rebbeinu will be careful not to bring takala as a result of his actions. We've got examples of this with Rova and Gitin da Chavtes. There are various cases where we see this in action. But I, I want to spend a few minutes on this because this is so important and so misunderstood today with very serious with very serious consequences the um the, 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 the one of the examples that Moshe Sternbuch told me many years ago about the story, I'm pretty sure it was the Yeshua's Yaakov. The Yeshua's Yaakov is a great posek in Europe at the beginning of the 19th century. And he was visiting in a, in a village in, in Europe. And it, on his visit, he walked past the butcher. The butcher sees the Yeshua's Yaakov in the street. He said, oh, thank goodness you're here. Please come inside. We've got a shiloh. We can't get hold of the rov. So he says, what's the shayla? There's an animal lying on the floor. They've just shechted a, an animal and there's a shayla about the kashrut of the animal and it's a, it's a complicated shayla. So the Shus Yaakov looks at it and he says, it's kosher, it's good. And off he goes to his hotel. Later that night, the Shus Yaakov has a terrible awareness that there's a taz in Yoradeh that he wasn't thinking of. And the taz, according to the taz, the animal is treif, and we paskin like the taz. So he got dressed, ran to the butcher, found him in the house, said, oh yeah, I've made a terrible mistake. The animal I told you today was kosher, is not kosher. The butcher said, I'm sorry, but it was a wedding tonight in the village, and there's no animal anymore. The town has eaten it, the tzaddikim of the town have eaten it, the rov of the town ate it, everybody's eaten the animal, and there's nothing we can do about that. Said the Yeshua's Yaakov that I forgot the Taz I won't have to answer for in Shemayim. That can happen. You forget something. That I paskin the Shiloh where I'm not the Rov, for that I'll have to answer in Shemayim. Because you don't have Siyata Dishmaya when you paskin the Shiloh for which you're not responsible. You don't have Siyata Dishmaya for any position you take when you're not responsible. Backseat drivers have no Siyata Dishmaya. And they misguess, they, they, they have a, a, a different perception. And it's not the right perception. It's the person who has the responsibility, who has the authority, that has this amazing siyata dishmai. And I've, uh, I've told you the story before, but it's such an important story. When one learns, the, the, particularly when it comes to smichem, preparing to become a rov, what you learn in, the, in terms of the, of the program of the halacha, that's irrelevant. It, it's not, that's not what makes you a rov. You can always look up the halacha. It's that's not what it is. To learn how to paskin that, yes, but the main part is the shimush, to work with great tamidei chachomim. And even though I had the incredible privilege of growing up in the home of a great rov, of living in the in the homes of gedolei Israel, when it came, I had already done my smicha, but uh, Mayor Soloveitchik wanted me to go and learn certain particular things from particular experts, and the one was was to learn the kashus of a chicken. Because uh, in those days, you used to have shayla. Now you just go to the supermarket, you buy a chicken, you don't have any shaylas. But in those days, you used to get the chicken at home and there, and there were shaylas and they used to come to the rov. And he wanted me to know how to pass in those shaylas. So he sent me to Mayor Brandstorfer, who was the expert in chicken cashews at that time in Yerushalayim. And Mayor Brandstorfer took me to learn with a shoychet in Mayor Shorim, who was a, an expert shoychet with, with chickens to learn the 
what to look out for with Shkita Revenoif. And the, uh, the uh, Shochit gave me his knife, asked me to check it to see if I knew what I was doing. I checked it carefully and I said, the, the knife is good. And he shook his head and he said, the knife is not good. Would you mind checking again? I checked again and I thought he was just tricking me. I said, I've checked carefully. It, the knife is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. He said, I'll tell you once more, the knife is completely possible. I'm not allowed to use this knife. Now, do you mind checking again and telling me where the psul is? I check again, it's not there. I said, you, you're messing with me, this knife is fine, there's nothing wrong with it. He shakes his head like, what are we going to do with this idiot? And, and, and he says, okay, you've got smicha already. I want you to come outside, and he shows me the Jews of Meishorim. He says, these are my customers. The Jews of Meishorim with long beards and bekesh, these are, these, are, these are the people who eat mashkita. You're a rov. Here's the knife, I'm giving it to you. If you hand it back to me, I will shecht, and they will eat. Now check it before you hand it back to me. And immediately I saw it was, it was so obvious that the, that the knife was not kosher. And he said to me, never give an opinion if you're not responsible. Because you don't have the siyadidish mind, you don't have the self-awareness, you're not focused enough. The only time to paskin is, is when you have to. And that idea goes, goes much further. You know, there, there are shuls around that don't hire Rabbonim. And they do it for, for different reasons. Sometimes you've got like Hasidish Shtibelach, the Rebbe is the Rav, and he's in New York or in Bnei Brak or wherever it is, and the Shtibel is just a place to daven. That's, that's one thing. Then you've got shuls that don't have the money. They don't, they don't want to or they cannot hire a Rav. It's another kind of a shul. Although in our history, every poor little village, the first thing, even in South Africa, when Lithuanian people came to South Africa, the first thing they did in every little village was hire a rabbi or a reverend. They didn't start a community without that. And then the, and the third one are people who want the place to be democratic. Nobody should tell us what to do. We'll decide there are lots of people in the shul who are learned, got smicha, they can make decisions. We don't need a rov around here. They do that as a matter, as a matter of principle. But I want you to understand the difference in, in quality between when a rov is involved in a shul and a volunteer is involved in a shul. The difference is one, the difference is here, is, is the siyata is dishmaya. So a volunteer, and the volunteer could be a big talmid chochem, gets up to give a dvar Torah. What's, what is the dvar Torah that he gives? Something he's learned. I've been busy, I was inspired, I learned something, I want to share it. When a rov gets up to talk, he doesn't talk about what he thinks, what he wants to talk about. He talks about what he wants the shul to hear, what he believes the shul needs to hear. That's a completely different thing. And that's where the siyata dishmaya is. And so often it will happen that somebody in the kehillah will come to a rov and say, you were speaking to me. This was like, I so needed to hear this. Uh, it, it happens every single time. Or, or a lot of people will say, sometimes just one person. That was for me. And you say, but how, how would you even know? That's the siyata dishmaya. But that siyata dishmaya only works when the rov has a responsibility to the kehillah. If he's done sharing a dvar sharing a vote, so it's his vote. And everybody else has to sit and listen to him sharing his vote because it's something he wants to share. So fine, and maybe the vote is very nice. But, but it isn't something that, that, that just hits what people need to get. That's the siyata dishmaya. The same as a psak. If, if you're one Paskins, you're not the Rov, you don't have responsibility. You're Paskin, there's no Siyat Adishmai, you'd better know what you're talking about. Because if you forget that Taz, that's your problem. But if you're the Rov, the Rav gives, gives a Siyat Adishmai. Even a greater Poisek, 
will not paskin in the presence of, of a Rav. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein told me that he will only, uh, unless he has a direct relationship with the person asking, that Shaila has to go through a Rav. Because he said, I'm, I'm not there. Uh, I, I can't paskin in a situation. There's a Rav who has to take that responsibility. I can give the Rav the, my psak as I see it. But the local Rav, no matter how less he might be than me or greater, it makes no difference. He's the local Rav. He has to make the decision. He has the siyad de dishmaya that is, that is needed. And so this idea of, of uh, that the Ribbonishom gives spe- specific siyad de dishmaya to people in situations of leadership, and it's not just in Torah. When be- one becomes a CEO of an organization, everything trade changes the way one sees it. I've made a, a study of presidents in the United States first day in office. What's that like and what happens and what changes as part of my study of leadership? To me, that's, a, that's fascinating to see what one day you're an ordinary citizen and the next day you're running the world with no training. What, what happens and what changes? And one sees over and over again how transformational it is because the day before that, they're thinking about their party, they're thinking about their popularity, they're thinking about their, their election, they're thinking about their friends. The moment they walk into that Oval Office, that all changes. They're now thinking about the well-being of the country, hopefully. And if that happens, and there's certain things that happen, we don't have time to discuss, that they experience on that day, the actual day of the inauguration, there are things they experience that are transformational, and they never see the world again in the same light. The, um, Reagan was asked whether he agreed with the way the first Bush handled the Iraqi war. And he said, there's one thing I learned as president, that as a president, you are the only person in the world who has all the information. Everybody else has pieces of it. There's nobody you can even discuss it with because only you see the whole picture. Never second guess a president. A president sees things that others, it's here, a prime minister over here too, they, they see a picture that not everybody can see, that nobody else can see. And, and for that, they need a, a great deal of siyat dishmaya. And if a leader, whether it's a rov or a secular leader's thought is the kihila, what's best for the kihila? Where should the kihila be going? What will develop the people of the kihila most? What do the people of the kihila need to learn? What do they need to hear? How are we building it up step by step that over a period of time, they're developing a worldview, they're developing hashkofa, they're becoming committed to, to Torah and halacha and Yerushalayim. If that's where his head is all the time, he has amazing siyat adishmaya. If, uh, if his head is just, I'm, I'm, I've been asked to give it vatara, fine, I'll give it vatara. It's a different, it's a completely different quality. It's not the same category altogether. Uh, Rav Horvath said to me, because he had to give the shir for a long period, he was nervous about it while I was away, and he said, amazing siyat adishmaya, that on these difficult pages of Gomorrah, every single morning, he, he found something to say when he thought it was impossible. And that's the nature of it. I said to you, you're, you're being here. The other people, the, the, the people who listen online and they're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Um, but it's different for them. If they don't like it or they're being distracted, some of them are multitasking. Some of them, if they're distracted, they can just turn the machine off. You're here. You're stuck for 20 minutes and you're listening. <laughs> I know that I need siyat dishmaya. You're entitled to the siyat dishmaya. If I... If I mess up, that's my problem. But the whole group of people every morning coming early in the morning, they've got to get something that's meaningful. They've got to get something that's MS, something that's true, something that is right for them to hear at that particular time. That's a tefillah that I say every single morning before I give a shir, every single Shabbos before I give a shir, to make sure that people are getting what they need to get. 
because that's what it, that's what leadership is. When you're leading, that's what you're doing. When you're a volunteer, you don't have that apprise. You don't have that responsibility. And there are, there are many Rabbonim who will not speak if they don't have a responsibility. They will not give a shir if they don't have a responsibility. They won't pass in a shaila if they don't have a responsibility. Why do that? Why put yourself into a situation where you have to take responsibility without siyat edishmaya? Be careful that you can merit the siyat edishmaya. Make sure that you have the authority and the responsibility to get it right. And then the Rebbeinu Shalom helps you go far beyond your human capacities. Mm-hmm.